dharma the dharma meaning the teachings in this case teachings of the buddha the dharma is filled with mixed messages and the one that i was thinking about tonight was the the line that may not have actually been something that could be attributable to the Buddha, but it was one of my teachers named Upandita Sayada many times said, practice without regard for body or life. Practice without regard for body or life. What do you think he meant by that? Anybody willing to take a stab at it? Practice without regard for body or life. Please. Right. Okay. That was the. I'm. I'm sure that was the intent. Practice as though your pants are on fire. <laughs> Patricia. Embrace the practice fully. Very similar. Please. Try to leave the ego out of it. Any last stabs? Please, Danny. Accept things just the way they are. Last one. Total transcendence. Okay. Now we're getting warm. Actually, everyone was warm. There's no evaluation here. When I heard this line, practice without regard for body or life, I took the, the meaning that some of you suggested to practice as though my life depended on it and practice with wholeheartedness, uh, with my pants on fire, to, with passion, with complete commitment. But I also heard the part about transcendence. And what I heard in regard to transcendence was we must transcend our body. Practice without regard for body or life. He didn't say mind or life. He didn't say money or life. He said practice without regard for body or life. And this message was implicit in many of the teachings about the necessity, and there is some value to it, the necessity of examining very carefully our relationship to what we call our body. And throughout the teachings, there is the recommendation, I'm sorry about this mic tonight, it's very sensitive. sure we can do make something fun out of it <laughs> now the fact that that mic makes that sound depends on the the breath that flows through this body <laughs> i'm sure there's something i can learn about that when i heard this teaching that life or practice without regard for body or life it came accompanied with the many teachings 
that suggests that we look carefully at our bodies. That we look not just carefully at our bodies, but we look carefully at the degree to which we identify ourselves with our body. That we identify ourselves with something that, in fact, in the teachings is considered a mass of pain. Loathsome, defiled, all these relatively negative views of the body. Not to leave us with the feeling, I don't think the original intent was to leave us with the feeling that our bodies are loathsome or terrible, but rather to leave us with a feeling or leave us with a determination not to have our sense of well-being so tied up to our body. A body that is, uh, that is in many ways born of contingencies, it comes into existence through no fault of our own. And it, it takes the shape based on many of those contingencies, our conditioning, our, our biological, genetic conditioning. It has a certain duration that is outside of our control for the most part. It gets sick, it gets old, and, gets di- and dies. So the point was to develop not an aversive attitude toward the body, even though it's very easy to develop that, but rather to develop dispassion, to develop the capacity to flow with the nature of our bodies, the inevitable natures of our body. You know how so much of it, so much that is highlighted is its changing nature, its un, unreliable nature, its empty nature, its not self nature. Do you know what I mean by the not self nature? You can't say this is me. Because as soon as you as soon as you do, when it when it starts to do things that you don't want it to, you think that it's your fault, that you own it, that it's uh, that it's you. And when it when it goes away, you think you're going away. So deeply rooted in our consciousness of the body is a deep identification with it. So the Buddha wanted us, to, wanted us to break that spell, break that spell that keeps us continually oriented, are oriented in, terms of, in our internal dialogue, in our stance in, in our life, in the world. This trance of uh, individuality, this trance of separateness that has the effect of making us forget that this body that we take to be so separate and independent is so contingent, so dependent on the elements of nature, earth, air, fire, water, genetics, all the things that are really very non-personal. So that's the, so I think that's the, the wholesome intention in examining the body and thinking about the body in a way that we, uh, that we lose our um, clinging and dependence on it for our um, sense of freedom. But very insidiously, you hear these teachings over and over. It's very easy to interpret them as get out of the body. 
get out of it. The body is negative. It is defiled. It is something to be transcended. It's something to go beyond. And consequently, people often, when people come to meditation practice, their intention is not so much to be embodied, but it's to become disembodied. Rather than have an in-the-body experience, the intention is to have an out-of-body experience. But the fact is, the only way to transcend the body is to be completely immersed in the body to the point where you move beyond the idea of body to that direct perception where you can no longer actually say it's a body. All you can say is there is aliveness, there is presence, there is sensation, there is vibration, there is pulsing, there is tingling, there is itching, there is burning, there is smelling, there is hearing, there is tasting, there is seeing. To experience that sense of the body so intimately, we transcend the names and the forms, the ideas about it. We transcend the view that this is me, this is mine. We come into direct contact with life as it is. So the reason I said that the Buddha gave mixed messages, because on one hand, he said, this body is loathsome, defiled, subject to decay, and in fact invited us to reflect on the what he called the 32 parts of the body, the hair on the head, the phlegm, the pus, the blood, the feces, the urine, all of it. This is how it is. This is all to break this spell that, oh, the body is magnificent, perfect, beautiful, and to see that it's, it's, it, is a, it is a miracle, but it's not all it's cracked up to be. So this is the more philosophical side of the Dharma, of reflecting on and realizing in real time the impermanence, the unreliability, the emptiness of the body to its, uh, its, not only its beautiful nature, but its loathsome nature. It's, it's dukkha nature. Dukkha meaning that which is difficult to bear. It's really painful to be embodied. That's one element of it. So the point is to recognize that, to open to it. Otherwise our life tends to be an endless running from it, an endless attempt to beautify it, to perfect it, to, to make it have no pain, and to make it have no... No, uh, nothing uncomfortable. What were you going to say? Why be so concerned about the body? Why, why be so concerned about the body? So why be? So, are you asking a question? Why be so concerned about the body? And one of my ways of trying to deal with it, in my experience, is is, is linking the word abode, abode, which abode. Yeah, it, it, it implies a home. A home. Well said. A place for being with oneself. A place for being with oneself. Lovely. Thank you. 
No, not easy to be with oneself. And so this is the other side of the teaching. This is the different message. The Buddha in his first, uh, not his first teaching, but in one of his main teachings, probably the most, other than the sutra called the Dhammachaka Sutta, where he did the, shared the, what was called the turning of the wheel, Dhamma Chakra, which means Dharma, truth, chakra, wheel, turning of the wheel of the teachings where he offered the Four Noble Truths. Other than that, the probably second most famous sutra, one that is so relevant to our practice, is the sutra called the Satipatthana Sutra, which is a sutra on the four foundations of mindfulness. And what is the first foundation of mindfulness? first foundation of mindfulness is mindfulness directed to the body. And he says in one of his sutras called the Anguttara Nikaya, one of the numbered sutras, he says that there's nothing more important, nothing that leads to to well-being, to the sure heart's release, to the ending of grief, lamentation, suffering, nothing more important than mindfulness directed to the body. That it is the it's a the sure way to come to a place of freedom. So you hear this: our bodies are incredibly important in this process. They are our dharma gate. They are the doorway to liberation. I was just leading a retreat that ended about a week ago, and a fellow at the end of the retreat made a comment which I thought about before but he put it so beautifully and I I won't try to quote him but he said that we it's understood in the teachings that we have six doors of perception we have the, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue the body and the six door of perception called the mind five of them are sensual Five of the doors of perception have to do with, with the body and its senses. And as I heard this, and as I re- I've reflected a lot on it lately, on the body, that it is, it is through the awakening of these senses... It's through the opening and the enlivening of these doors of perception. When we enliven our sight, if you see right now and you know you're seeing, when there's just that direct experience of seeing, when you hear and you know that there's hearing, when you smell and you know there's smelling, when you know there's tasting, when you know there's a felt experience in the body, when you know you're thinking these doors of perception, when there is presence at these doors, they open, they awaken, they they come alive. Did you want to say something, Noemi? Uh, And I I like the talk that uh, my body has been my teacher. Do you mind if I repeat what you're saying here? Noemi says she likes the talk because her body has been her teacher. Related to the body, 
has issues with how society relates to the body. Yes, there are those who don't have the don't have those sense doors available to them. Where does it address people who don't walk? Who don't have legs? have different bodies and whatever body they have practice without regard for body or life That's been real because of your your physical situation. Yeah, physical differences are not addressed so much in the Dharma. Yeah, there's much more much more uh, commentary on our sameness rather than our differences, and that's the same in terms of of our ethnic our gender, our racial. It's true that these are underrepresented uh, topics and they're really important. It is important to, to distinguish, to acknowledge and honor our unique expressions of life and our unique challenges. And in, in the service of, of uh, trying to connect with what is universal... And, but there, but it is a, but there is a lack. No. No. If you don't have the perception of sight, are you less likely to? No. It's just. It, I'm not distinguishing really the the relative greater or lesser importance of any one sense door. Tonight, I'm mostly talking about the, and not even so much the sense doors themselves, but the the consciousness of whatever door of perception. But regardless of whether a door is open or closed, all of our consciousness of these depends on the body. It depends on a body and its senses. And it is a very central, whatever door is open, you want it to be open. And you want it to be open so much that you bleed with what's felt or experienced, that you, that you create, that you 
brush the dust of confusion and distraction and memory so that you feel the impact of whatever that door of perception that is open uh, to you. And in that, you come into a place, you come into presence, not dependent on which sense door. You come into, we'll use Carlos's word, you come into the abode of the body, the abode of presence. And even the, the Buddha talked about the calm abiding. Calm abiding. And that comes from the relentless, continuous orientation toward the immediate aliveness of what's here. Please. People with disabilities have always done that. Yes, you've been called here, exactly. And our pain does cause, call us here. Our difficulties call us here. But we have also, as a culture, as, as human beings, in our desire for relief, we have found myriad ways of attempting to not be here distract ourselves. And I'm sure people with certain disabilities or differently abled have also found... That doesn't, that doesn't imply everybody differently which, one, which one works better? What doesn't fly? Exactly, I agree. <laughs> Try not to get rid of identity. I do. No, you want to. You want to love that identity. You want to embrace that identity. You want to just recognize identity as identity. You don't want to try to get rid of anything. Practice is not about deleting. It really is about love. It's about coming to love that which is painful. Let go. Let go of the attachment to it. Okay, I appreciate that. Carlos, once more, and then. It's, 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 it's very difficult to feel for me. Difficult to feel. Yeah. Um, and um, being helped, being helped to feel. Being helped to feel. Opens the, um, the, the vision or the possibilities to feel. Joy, Opens the possibility of being able to feel joy, beauty, and pain. Exactly. So the, what I'm suggesting is that we, if we are to open our doors of perception, that we have to open to both, to, as they call it in the Zen tradition, the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. And it's through that kind of aliveness, though, that through the body, in whatever its state, we come to understanding, come to wisdom, come to freedom, come to love and compassion. Uh, come to a... That's what tenderizes us. To hide away in fear and dullness and distraction, numbness, uh, keeps us in the, in the self-illusion, keeps us in the illusion of separateness, that we're apart from the flow of life. And in fact, right in the middle of it all, right in the middle of the simplest sensation as 
as Hafiz says in the song, I actually have it with me. From the most insignificant movements of our of your own holy body. Simple movements, the simple presence to what your body is doing, what your hands are doing, what your back is doing, what your eyes are doing, your ears, your nose. It's beautiful when we're that immediate and that present. Even if it's painful, there's some there's a beauty in it. There is a beauty in being alive, open. There is nothing more miraculous. It's completely, it's so ordinary, but it's, it's miraculous. And I can reflect on what, what I can see or what I can't see or what doesn't work and what does work, and I can get really involved in the story of, of my life or my body, my identification with my body, how it looks, how it's aging, how it's doing this, how it's... And all of that misses the point of the, the body in the body, the body in the, the felt experience, in that sense of immediacy, with the senses wide open. It's very hard for me to sit. Hard to sit. And sit over an extended period of time. Yeah, I think you're not alone. It's hard to sit for an extended period of time. Yes. And in, in my imagination, I've never learned hula hoop. Yeah. You, you never learned that's the problem. You never learned a hula hoop. <laughs> I think so because that's what I'm imagining myself doing instead of sitting. It's just hula hoop. You can hula hoop if you like. You can even simulate it. Let's all do it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we have to, we've got to laugh a little. Otherwise, it's not funny. It's not original. Yeah. And how do you allow that spirit with this serious approach and reflection, introspection? I actually think the serious approach of being of being determined, practicing with your rear on fire, being so interested in being in finding out what's real, what's true, that you that you get stoned on being present, and all you can do is laugh and fall in love, because it's it really is amazing to be right here. And while we're busy complaining, making other plans, I have somebody that I've been talking to who's, who's uh, maybe one of his number one preoccupations is this whole uh, view that he wants to live long enough to be able to live forever. You know that one? Where if you live long enough, then they're going to figure out something to me. And that view, even though it... The, it comes from a very sincere place. It com- it's a kind of spiritual aspiration, this eternity in some way. 
but it it keeps the mind in a very narrow vortex and I look at this person as I'm talking to them and I can see that they're already the very consciousness through which they're perceiving is completely beyond time it's eternal it's it was never born and it'll never die and it's right there and it's right in that that soft little sound or sensation right in the the tiny as Kabir says the tiniest house of time is the is the timeless and so easy to miss so you get mixed messages don't get bound up in this body it's got problems but we need this body and if you keep coming back to this body you will find a calm abiding in this very life and with that calm abiding you will find you will experience the way the Buddha described it as periods of unmixed happiness uh, a kind of transcendent happiness that uh, is momentarily free of any complaining or confusion or desire or hopelessness or hope or fear but is just suffused with the the light of presence the light of immediacy and it's through that kind of uh, that kind of presence that our mind um, is able to perceive is able to to sense or intuit that the very freedom that we're searching for the very uh, liberation that we're searching for is none other than the nature of our own minds and that we don't need to lift out of here that we are the liberation itself right now not the idea of ourselves but the very consciousness that you are before you can think but including your thoughts and including your identities including your bodies that you are the mirror and what fills the mirror that you are uh, that you're all of it and that so don't leave anything out everything is your body everyone is your body so Hafiz says don't surrender your loneliness okay, how do we know we're lonely we feel it through the body don't surrender your loneliness so quickly let it cut more deep which means let it be felt let it ferment and season you as few human or divine ingredients can something missing in my heart tonight has made my eyes so soft my voice so tender my need of the divine absolutely clear and I often read this Hafiz poem with I read it translating the friend that he uses the concept of the friend I often treat it as our capacity to be aware mindful awareness but I tried experimenting thinking about it tonight thinking of the friend as the body so maybe you can listen to it with that in mind cast all your votes for dancing 
I know the, depre- the voice of depression still calls to you. I know those habits that can ruin your life still send their invitations. But you are with the friend now and look so much stronger. You can stay that way and even bloom. Keep squeezing drops of the sun from your prayers and work and music and from your companions, beautiful laughter. Keep squeezing drops of the sun from the sacred hands and the glance of your beloved and my dear from the most insignificant movements of your own holy body. Learn to recognize the counterfeit coins that may buy you just a moment of pleasure but then drag you for days like a broken man behind a farting camel. You are with the friend now. Learn what actions of yours delight her, what actions of yours bring freedom and love. Whenever you speak the name of the divine, dear pilgrim, my ears wish my head was missing so they could finally kiss each other and applaud all your nourishing wisdom. Oh, keep squeezing drops of the sun from your prayers and work and music and from your companions' beautiful laughter and from the most insignificant movements of your own holy body. Now, sweet one, be wise. Cast all your votes for dancing. So, gently, right now in these last few minutes, put your mind in what we experience as our body. Forgetting your body images, your yoga body, your elderly body, your... your unhealthy body. Forget the ideas of it and just feel the life that we call our body. And envelop this this field of alive sensations with its senses, with its organs, with all its elements. And just regard it or envelop it with deep reverence and loving-kindness, lovingly attending to the sensations that we call our head, the seat of the brain and the eyes, the nose, the ears, the tongue, all the openings, the bones of the head, the scalp, the, sh- the hair, skin. Let it all be held in loving attention. Lovingly sweeping our attention along our shoulders, our arms, sensing the skin of the arms, the flesh, the muscles of the arms, the bones of the arms, down to the tips of the fingers these arms and whatever their level of health, well-being, held with loving attention, loving kindness. Lovingly sweeping along our neck, down along in our chest area, heart center, solar plexus belly, genital area, pelvic area, each movement of our attention like a caress of loving-kindness. 
lovingly attending to the felt experience of the thighs, the knees, the shins and calves, ankles, sensing the skin of the legs, the flesh, the muscles, the bones of the legs down to the tips of the toes. Whatever their level of health or well-being, all met with loving-kindness, acceptance, graciousness. Lovingly sweeping our attention along the curve of our spine, the ribs of the back, the muscles of the back, down to the sacrum area, the buttocks, feeling the sits bones. Feeling the skin, the flesh, the muscles of the back, the bones, till our whole body is felt as a field of sensations enveloped in loving kindness. And then dropping into this field of reverence, that deep wish that you have for yourself to be happy. May I be happy, peaceful, safe and protected, healthy and strong as I can be, gracious with what is not so healthy and strong. That deep wish to live with ease, a sense of well-being, and not letting it expand to include everyone in this room, and then all beings everywhere expanding that field of sensitivity to all beings without exception, radiating a deep wish that all beings can be filled with loving kindness, be happy and peaceful, safe and protected, healthy and strong, gracious with the limitations of the body, a deep wish that all beings can have ease and a sense of well-being. And while we're at it, dedicating our practice this evening and any benefits or fruits of our practice to the welfare and benefit of all beings, including ourselves. May all beings be free. Develop a wise and loving relationship to this soft body. for your presence, questions, attentions, comments, a few little announcements. Um, anyway, I just wanted to welcome those of you who may have come for the first time. Anybody, are you willing to put up your hands if you came here tonight for the first time? Just a few of you, welcome. Hope you come back. Loved having you here. Also, we're, I'm continuing with the Zafu Drive. Request for any Zafus, those little round whoopee cushions. Many of our zafus and pillows have been with this uh, sangha as long as I have. That's some of them 26 years. So they're tired, falling apart. Anybody want to donate zafus, zabutans, much appreciated. 
And then, uh, as usual, just a reminder that the teachings here are offered in the spirit of generosity, freely. If you feel to respond with your generosity in the form of financial support, much appreciated. Also, we are here because you have uh, supported the room rental, which is 150 a week, 600 a month. And so we depend on your generosity for the room rental, Donna. Uh, as well. So thank you in advance for any form of Donna, form being cash, check to the church that we meet in, the St. John the Evangelist. If you put Mission Dharma on the on the uh, memo line, it's tax deductible. And there's also the opportunity for PayPal, if that's convenient for you, all to be found on the website. And thank you for your practice mostly and your generosity. Practice every day. Stay in your body. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.